Hey, my name is Lauren Frieder, and my husband Drew and I are lead pastors at Lift Church. We are on the eastern shore of Maryland. We want to thank you so much for joining us today, and we are believing that you will get a lift of encouragement. Such a good friend, and I want to tell y'all, y'all are an amazing church, really are. It is fun to receive uh, a text message from my spiritual father uh, four days after he's been home. He just said, in reflection, I have just got to say again how amazing Lift Church is. And it was an honor to play a part, a small part for a weekend. And so it's just cool that uh, he enjoyed his time and he invested so much in us. And I want to resume on Hills and Valley week three, sharing, starting with our key scripture for the sermon series. And it says in Deuteronomy 11, uh, starting in verse 10 in the Message Bible, it says, The land you are entering to take up ownership isn't like Egypt, the land you left. We're likening this land to marriage, and we're saying it's not like the world's got, right? Where you had to plant and water it yourselves. But the land you are about to cross the river and take uh, for your own is a land of mountains and valleys. It's a land that God, your God, personally tends. And I think it's so important that we uh, ruin any sort of um, uh, thought in our mind that when we get married, we're just going to live on the clouds, baby. It's just going to be amazing. There will be no low points, and if there's low points, then there will indicate something's wrong. That's, that nothing could be further from the truth. But what is true is that God says, though there will be mountains and though there will be valleys, I am personally going to water the soil in your life. I am personally going to tend to that land because I am in it with you. And so that's why it's so important to have relationships and specifically marriages that are rooted on Jesus Christ at the center. Um, this week, I want to talk about a message I've entitled, How to Live on the Hills. Come on, everybody wants the house on the hill. Come on, relationally, we want the house on the hill. But next week, I'll talk about how to walk through the valleys, okay? So I, my hope is to help you stay on the hills or spend as much time on the hills of your relationship as possible. Would you pray with me? God, we thank you that your scripture gives us keys, principles, insight, and really it infuses us with life. Let your word come alive even as I read it. Let it take over our hearts, guide our steps, bless our marriages, and touch the world around us in Jesus' name. I ask all of it, and everyone who agrees with that can say, amen. You know, when I look at scripture... And I look at the Bible and pay attention to relationships. One of the relationships that we don't know a ton about, and yet as little as we know about it, speaks so highly of a marriage that's on point, is two people called Aquila and Priscilla. Now, Aquila and Priscilla are introduced to us in the book of Acts, and they are a husband and wife duo that are doing life together. Check this out. It says in Acts 18, 2, and 3, the first time we are introduced to them, it says this, There Paul became acquainted with a Jew named Aquila. Someone say Aquila. He was born in Pontus, who had recently arrived from Italy with his wife, say Priscilla. Go ahead. They had left Italy when Claudius Caesar deported all Jews from Rome. So there was hostility towards Christianity and hostility towards 
Jewish faith, and so they are exiled or they're, they're feeling uh, persecuted on the run. And Paul lived and worked with them, for they were tent makers just as he was. Now, I love Aquila and Priscilla because you're going to see that they are never mentioned apart from each other. And they are, we've just learned that they are tent makers alongside Apostle Paul. We give Apostle Paul a ton of credit, and we should. He wrote about two-thirds of the New Testament. But how many of you know that most of that is with the help of many silent, unnamed, amazing people of God behind the scenes making things happen, people like Aquila and Priscilla, people that aren't even mentioned. I want to stop and tell you right now, you don't have to have a microphone in your hand. You don't have to have a stage for your ministry to matter. You can make a difference right where you're at. You don't have to wait for that. I love Aquila and Priscilla. We're in the trenches making things happen, and this is how I know, because they're called out by name. Many people's names were just, just left out. The Church of Galatia says hello, right? They just get lumped in. It's because we don't have enough time to mention them. What causes people's names to be called out? Aquila and Priscilla clearly were heroes of their time. And yet every single time their name's mentioned, it's mentioned together. Listen to this. Acts 18, 18. Then Paul set sail for Syria, taking... Priscilla and Aquila with him. Acts 18, 26. When Priscilla and Aquila heard Apollos preaching in the synagogue, they took him aside and explained the way of God even more accurately. Here they are having a small group with one of the best communicators of their time. They heard Apollos in the synagogue. They said, this brother can preach. There's one or two doctrines that we might need to refine, or maybe they don't know the message of Jesus Christ as intimately as we do. So what do they do? Tell them, you need to sit down and give me your pulpit? No. They said, can we have you over for dinner? We want to share with you the good news of Jesus Christ. Christ, which will only enrich in the message that you already preach about as you get to know the man. Look at them. They are discipling leaders together. Romans 16, 3 and 4. It says, greet Priscilla and Aquila, my fellow workers in Christ Jesus. And this is Paul talking. And he says, who risked their own necks for my life, to whom not only do I give thanks, but also all, say all, all the churches of the Gentiles are praising the Lord for Priscilla and Aquila. My life, I'm still breathing air because of these two people. And, and the Gentile churches are stoked about them as well. 1 Corinthians 69, the churches here in the province of Asia send greetings in the Lord, as do Aquila and Priscilla. What does it mean to get a special call out? It means they were significant. Last scripture that is mentioned about them. There's only six scriptures in the Bible. 2 Timothy 4.19. Give my greetings to Priscilla and Aquila, those living in the household of one Cyphorus. You know, this, this also speaks very highly of who Priscilla was. Because in the, the day and age that scripture was written, Oftentimes, women's names would be left out. The man would represent the entire family. And so, not every man is mentioned, much less every woman. And yet, 
every single time they're mentioned, they say, we're going to have a shout out for Aquila and Priscilla. And I think that's amazing that the two of them, they, they saved lives together. They took risks together. They moved together. They focused on God together. They loved together. They worshiped together. They made tents together. And they served with Paul. The word together comes to mind. It's like they completed one another. I think their relationship should try to speak to us, even though it's six verses, it speaks so much about how in the world they work together and love together. Many of you go think about trying to work with your spouse and like, no way, no way at all. I could not work with my spouse. And yet these two did it. And every single church that they went to, including Paul, are like, these two are the bomb. <laughs> They're calling them out, and I love that. So I, 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 I am inspired by them, and I want their lives to inspire us today. It, Les and Leslie Parrott, write a lot of uh, books on relationships, and here's one thing that they said uh, uh, about uh, uh, men and women coming together in relationships. There is an inherent completeness when a man and a woman marry. Our partner makes up for what we lack. When we are discouraged, they are hopeful. When we are stingy, they are generous. When we are weak, they are strong. Because we are male and female joined together, there is wholeness but our differences say differences our differences if not understood and accepted become a source of confusion rather than completeness one thing that stood out strong to me during the marriage conference is as pastor greg and stephanie were sitting here stephanie shared how easy it is to focus 80 percent of our attention on the 20 percent of our spouse that we don't like we get focused and absorbed on the differences. Why you got to act that way? Why you got to talk to me that way? Why you got to be silent? Why you got to act like this? Why you got to leave your dirty dishes out? Why, 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 why? And, and, and in order to live on the hills of marriage, we have got to learn to appreciate the differences in our spouses. Let me help you out. Men and women are different. There are differences in case you haven't figured that out. In a world's attempt to make everything equal, including men and women, I think men and women should cry out, we are not equal, and we should begin to appreciate. We are equal in importance. We are equal in significance. But if you treat a woman like a man, she's probably not going to respond well. And if you treat a man like a woman, it probably will not go well, especially in marriage. Proverbs 30, 18 and 19. Proverbs is a book of wisdom. It's like some of the wisest writers in the whole Bible. And here's what the wisest people had to say in Proverbs verse 30. He says, there are three or four things as wise as I am that I cannot understand. <laughs> God has given me the gift of wisdom. I have figured out a lot of things. There's three or four things that just stump me. Leave that up there right there. He says this. He says, like this, like, I can't understand how eagles fly so high. Isn't it majestic watching an eagle fly? I think sometimes they just, they, they, it's like if they could speak, they give you that look like it only takes me one flap, and I just get to fly. It's like they look down on you like, try this. I ain't going to move again. I ain't going to move. Just watch me. Just watch me roll. And you're just like, how is it staying in the air 
And how come it doesn't need to flap as often as I would expect it needs to? This, this wise writer says, how can snakes crawl on rocks? How do ships sail in the ocean? This past week I got stuck on a Titanic documentary. I admit I was bored. Hey, why are there so many documentaries on the Titanic? It seems like every time you turn on the TV, you can find a documentary on the Titanic. But uh, one thing that I just sat there and I watched, I'm like, how did they make that big fat boat float? And then they put tons of people on it. And they're like, watch this, it floats. And, and it sank, it's a bad metaphor. But anyway, how do ships <laughs> sail to stay afloat? And one thing that baffles my mind, this wise writer says, is how do people fall in love? There's so many differences. <laughs> He's not like you. She's not like you. And yet, if we focus on the differences, it can become so difficult. It can become the valley moments in our relationships Sometimes the, the contrast couldn't be more significant than when we don't communicate right. Like, for example, um, my wife and I, we don't, you know, we don't get it wrong very often. Uh, we, we, we do so well much of the time, but we think differently. <laughs> like the time we went to the zoo and one of a woman's motherly instincts that is a gift to every family especially to children is their protective instincts to make sure that that child lives another day they know how sanitize your hands put on your seatbelt, make sure you come on they, they they are making sure that child will survive if i have anything to do with it men have this unique characteristic to teach children, go out there and dare. Come on, take courage. He probably won't make the jump. Jump anyway. Come on, we're going to teach you how to wipe the dirt off and get back up again. Well, one day, we decided to go to the zoo, and uh, we took a walk on the other side of that river down by our central zoo. And on that side, they have nice hills. And this wouldn't be the first time that my wife said, honey, She's going to need a hand. That hill's too much for her. I'm like, <laughs> hill's too much for a fryer kid. Come on, watch this girl. She's strong. She's brave. And if she wants to take that hill on her own, let her have a go. Come on, we got this. And she's like, you're wrong. Go up there and hold her hands. And I was like, come on, take a risk. Be courageous. This is going to be a brilliant day. This is going to be a shining day. This is what happened. Let's watch the video. Oh, wait, watch Shiana, watch Shiana. <laughs> listen, listen to my response. Listen to my response. I got her. I got her. We still have conversations to this day. You didn't have her. That's why she face planted. And I'm like, no, li listen, this was an amazing opportunity of growth and strength. Come on. Life doesn't always keep you on your feet. You got to learn to get back up again. She said, today wasn't the day for that lesson. I told you to watch her. And I said, come on. She's branching out. She's a strong girl. And did you not see the river 20 yards away on the other side of the flat plains at the bottom of the hill that I stopped her from rolling into? Thank you very much. I had her. I had her. Come on, how many of y'all are on Team Drew? How many are on Team Lauren? I feel like Team Lauren is just winning, but Steve, you, you, you and me together. Come on, we're going to raise up strong kids. 
we're a little bit different. Do you know that your spouse is different and do you know their needs? If you minimize the differences, you will not learn to appreciate the differences and meet each other's needs. I want to help you live on the hills today. And here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to give you two take-home uh, principles that I want you to try to apply in your life beginning today. One is a way to connect your spirits. And another way is to connect to meet each other's needs, okay? So here's number one. How to connect spiritually. Last year, I did a sermon series called I Am Three. If you're newer to our church or if you're watching online and you haven't seen that, I really want to encourage you to go back into our archives and listen to that message. I was teaching, um, uh, I was teaching from the Bible a truth that I need to build on from time to time, and that is this. We are not a one person. We have three unique uh, aspects of our life. We have a spirit. We have a soul, and we have a body. We are made in the image of God, who, like God, is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, three as one. We, too, have a spirit, a soul, and a body. Now, if we're not careful, the fallen state of man, meaning when we're not walking right with God, our body or our soul, meaning our mind or our emotions, will take over and call the shots. And so we start getting into marriages by going, oh, we're going to marry each other because she's so cute. Come on, that's your body talking right now. But what does the Spirit of God say, right? Or our minds say, I feel so warm and fuzzy when I'm around them. Okay, that's your emotions leading the way, and that's your will. But what does the Spirit of God say? We all should live our lives in every aspect of our life, but in marriage as well, where our spirit is leading the way and calling the shots. Or can your spirit still set, tell your emotions, your feelings, your thoughts, and even your body, we're going to go this way. We're going to follow the, world, the will and the word of God. And so we've got to focus on connecting spiritually first. If we're individuals being spirit-led, you better hope that your relationship's spirit-led too, and it's connecting first. In fact, singles, can I please say, quit ignoring the scripture that says to be un do not be unequally yoked. Because if you do not connect spiritually, the soul and the body is going to have its share of struggles and issues as well. Next week, I'm going to talk about it. Paul said, if you marry, you'll have problems, period. But if you're married and unequally yoked, you're going to have twice as many problems and discussions and issues. The scripture is undefeated. And so I, 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 I always need to encourage singles, please do not be unequally yoked. Young women, if that man doesn't love Jesus and just putting on a front just because he's trying to get with you, then it's time to tell him, see you later. God's got something better for me. And men, don't put up with some sort of shallow Christianity just because she's hot. I'm telling you, hot wears off, but rolling after Jesus Christ is beautiful and attractive every single time. Can I get an amen from the men and women up in the house who can testify? Go ahead and testify. I love when researchers and journalists, psychologists, therapists, scientists, they all go out and they do this independent research and they come to the same conclusion the Bible already told them a long time ago. I'm a believer that every ology backs up theology. 
And so I love looking at what some of the, uh, uh, what sociology has to say. And here's some research I've done this past week from the American Psychological Association, as well as the University of Georgia Research, and finally the University of Texas Research, independently all came to the same conclusion in three different research articles, and they said this about couples. They said, Couples who shared the same faith and who regularly attended church services together reported a higher level of marital satisfaction. So you want a better marriage than normal? Then uh, um, share the same faith and attend church services together. Then it says those who were involved in activities at the church they're in small groups. They're part of the dream team. They serve together at the church. Also reported an even higher level of marital satisfaction. That is why one of the reasons at Lift Church, you hear one announcement you'll hear every single week is, we would love for you to join our dream team. And you could do that by going to Next Steps. Some people have said, what is the dream team? Why Next Steps? And why do you talk about it so much? Let me say this. Our dream team are our volunteers. Anybody who says, I want to get in the game and bring my giftings to the church and make it a better place. We love you. We want you. God wants you to bring your gifts, okay? And so Next Steps is the process of getting to know us and us getting to know you and discovering how you'll make the biggest impact. Next Steps happens once a month on the first, second, and third uh, Sunday of the month. Why am I pushing you to be a part of Next Steps? Or not pushing, but encouraging it all the time. Why? Because do, are we short of volunteers? No. We have about 150 people on our dream team now. We are past the days of our launch team was serving every single week for uh, one or two months knowing more people would be a part of the team. We're at the point now where you could serve every two weeks, every three weeks, every four weeks. Some people enjoy serving more often than weekly and some uh, serve less often, and that's fine. But why? So, so if we're not in need, why are we pushing it? Because marriages that serve together, because families that serve together report a high higher satisfaction, a higher fulfillment rate. In other words, it's not what you can do for us. It's what we are trying to set you up to do for you. So uh, that's my unashamed plug that this coming March on the first Sunday, you can sign up to be a part of our next steps, which starts uh, March 1st. Uh, well, I don't even know if it's March, the first Sunday of March, and you can sign up on liftsby.com, click Next Steps. So we've learned this, if you have to share, share the same faith and re regularly attend church, great satisfaction in marriage. Those who were involved and served together have an even higher level of satisfaction in marriage. And it goes on to say, when couples shared religious practices at home, the level of mar marital satisfaction was significantly higher. So it's, you go from making it a Sunday thing to a let's do it together thing and get involved. And when you bring it home, you bring home the greatest level of marital satisfaction. Isn't that exactly what God was telling us? He teaches us to pray together, discuss the word together, attend church together, serve together. Sounds a little bit like Priscilla and Aquila. Everywhere they went, they were together. So that's number one, how to connect spiritually. We got to do Christianity together, discuss it, talk about it, share it, serve together. And, and number two, you might say, well, Pastor Drew, my spouse won't touch Christianity. 
or my spouse supports me in what I do, but they are not going to do that. Well, then let me help you with something that you could apply whether they do that or not. A second principle that I think we should all apply, and that is first to describe what women want and to describe what men want. Now, there's a long list of what women want and what men want. I am just going to share the number one research thing that uh, men and women want. Women, number one, women need, write this down, guys, women need to be cherished. Guys, you should take notes. Even if you're not paying attention, write that down. She'll go, ah, oh, I feel cherished that he's taking notes about cherishing me. See, I'm, I'm helping you out, right? Women need to be cherished. Now, cherished is not a very popular word in a man's vocabulary. <laughs> Never have you walked into a men's locker room and they're like, hey guys, I want to tell you how I cherished my wife this past weekend. <laughs> you're not, you're not going to hear it. <laughs> Men don't think about that word that often, and yet women do. Women need to know I'm still number one in your life. I am still at the top of it all like when you decide whether you're going to hang out with your buddies or whether you would stay home and hang out with me women need to know you would be willing to stay home and hang out with her and some of you are like but pastor drew i really would like a night out i need a night out to be with my buddies let me help you out as well when a woman feels cherished she often says go and be go and do i support you in what you're doing i just needed to know that you are willing you know, on Thursday nights, I, I go play soccer most Thursday nights. And from time to time, as the spirit prompts me, I'll just, I'll say, honey, do you want me to stay home tonight? There's a lot going on. Do you prefer me to miss tonight? You know, three out of four times, she's going to say no, but that meant a lot that you asked me. Go have fun. One out of four times, she would say, that would mean a ton to me. And you have to be willing to say, I go your way. I still choose you over playing with the boys. I still choose you. It reminds me of the way Jacob cherished Rachel. Think about when you were dating her, how you cherished her. You were wooing her all the time. It was about chocolates. It was about making her feel special, wonderful, and beautiful. Yet research tells us that somehow when you stand at the marriage altar, most men unintentionally go from wooing her to providing for her. Now, you go ask any woman if the most meaningful thing her husband has ever said is, well, I put food on the table, don't I? <laughs> you know I love you because you got a house over, you got a roof over your head. And every woman goes, oh, my dream. So amazing. So amazing when you tell me those remarks. <laughs> a woman's like, I, I love that. But I need to feel like I'm still most important in your life. I want you to feel like Jacob felt for Rachel in Genesis 29, 20. It says, Jacob served seven years to get Rachel, but they seemed like only a few days to him because of his love for her. Man, never stop cherishing your wife. Make her feel special. Write her a special love, lo love note. Send the I love you text message in the middle of the day. If you are so uh, forgetful, Get out your smartphone, do the smartest thing you can do, and put a reminder in the middle of your day. Tell my wife how much I love her and cherish you. Come on. Send her the flowers. Buy her the chocolates. Do that. I, I do premarital coaching, and I'm, I'm with a lot of couples, and we go through this list of, of, of expectations, societal, cultural, behavioral things, right? 
And they're always like, yeah, I wanted to see what happens. Like, for instance, um, you know, the man might say that in this relationship, I expect her to do the dishes. And she says, say what? <laughs> it's like, well, in my house, my mom always did the dishes and my dad always did the yard work. So I just assumed you would do that. And she's like, yeah, in my house, daddy helped out with the dishes too. So you're going to help out with dishes and laundry. And then they'll have this discussion, right? And so we'll get on the same page. You know which one trips up some of the guys? The question asks, who will fill up the gas in the car? <laughs> I've, had, I've had a guy go, is that still a thing? Like, it's 2021. Like, she's got her own debit card, you know. There, there's money in the bank, you know. I'm providing for her. Doesn't she feel wonderful? And, I, I mean, you know, at some point, what are you going to do? Get strained? I said, listen, if that makes your wife feel cherished, fill up the gas tank. I learned early in our marriage that that meant something to my wife. And so every time I'm in the car with her, if the gas tank is even halfway or more empty, I am stopping to fill it up. There, there's very few times that I'll fill it up. She's not in the car. I won't get a text message two or three days later when she uses the car again. She says, thank you so much for filling up the gas tank for me. It's like, come on, another win, another win. Come on, I help a brother out. I'm just trying to help you out. Cherish her, whatever that means to her. Maybe ask her, what do I do that makes you feel number one? Number two, men, men need, let's talk about what men need, right? Men need, you can fill in the blank, you're like, I know what men need. We could just move on to the conclusion, right? No, 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 no. Men need shared activities. There's a hidden secret about your man. He wants to do things with you. Before marriage, you, you golfed together, you, you played tennis together, you went out together, you went to the movies together, you, you did everything together, and yet research shows that a wife will unintentionally slip past doing things together to, you could go enjoy that. <laughs> it's the guy going, hey, there's a cool car show happening this weekend, and the wife's going, I'm done with those days. Go have a fantastic time. I don't want to look at metal anymore. <laughs> and the guy's thinking, what happened? <laughs> don't you remember the rich conversations we had as we did it? I told you how many horsepower has been every single engine, and that there's 8.92675 liter engines. Come on, I don't know anything about cars either. And the wife's going, that's exactly my point. I'm like, just go do it with the guys. I don't know what's going on. I don't care. Men open up their spirits through doing, not sitting and talking, through doing. And so when you say, when the man says, hey, can we, can we go play golf? And you're like, I, I suck at golf. I'm no good at golf, nor do I care about golf. It takes way too much time. What he's saying is, I don't care how bad you are at the game. It matters to me that you're in that cart with me. You don't have to touch an iron. You don't have to touch a wood. You don't have to comment on the game. I just enjoy spending time with you. You say, my man won't talk to me. My son won't open up. Well, listen, he will open up when you do things together. All of a sudden, by car number four, he's saying, you know, that reminds me. Johnny and I had this conversation. Ah, you're getting access to the information you were hoping for all along when you said, how was your day today? And he said, good. And he went to sat down, right? When you do things together, men open up. 
Genesis 2.18 says that God looked down on his creation and he says, it is not good for men to be alone. Now, he ran them through this thing where he let them see a dog who can retrieve. And he said, that's not good. And he didn't create Steve and say that that is good. He created Eve. You see what I did there? I like Ross. It wasn't a dog who retrieves or Steve. It was Eve who God said it's good for man to do life together with. And so what I'm saying is when you walk through the garden together, when you tend to the garden together, when you garden together, when you do anything together, it may be boring. Just say yes. This is what I wrote down. What you no longer do, he do without you. I know that's bad English, but I want you to remember it. What you no longer do, he do without you. He will do it with his boys. He'll substitute you with his boys. He'll do it alone. And that is what you hope is the worst case scenario that he does. But when you say, yeah, I've told my wife before, I want to go on a mission trip. She's like, heck no. Like, I'm scared. I'm scared of where you want to go. Take one of the boys. I can take one of the boys. I'll have a great time. I want to do it with you. If I go skiing and I get on the mountaintop, I'm like, this is awesome. I wish I was doing it with her. Like, if I'm sitting down at a restaurant, I'm thinking, the company is great, but I wish I was doing this with her. You make a big difference. So, number one, connect spiritually by loving each other and connecting through prayer together, discussing together, attending church together, serving together. And then number two, make sure that men, you understand women need to be cherished and women understand that, you are, that, that men need shared activities. What's the payoff? Men, when you cherish her, a woman will naturally become more passionate with him. Women, when you share activities with him, he will, you will receive deeper intimacy and a stronger connection. And so wives, as boring as it may sound, say yes next time. <laughs> or ask him, what activities do you prefer? I'd be with you. You want me to sleep in a tent? You call it camping? You call it fun and rugged? I say I'll stay at home in my bed. He's saying I'd really love just go with me. Why does all this matter? Pastor Drew, should we talk more and more about God? We're in church today and scripture. Well, Jesus told us there's two commandments that you should keep more than anything else. The latter half said, love your neighbor as yourself. And so we're learning how to love each other in marriages. But he says first, to love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. When we love our neighbors, we start learning the depth of God's love for us.